Good morning, Canopy. For those that I've not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike, and along with my wife, Jessie, we were the former pastors of Reunion Church in Santa Ana, and we had the opportunity to merge with all of you this summer, and now I'm one of the pastors here and could not be more thrilled about it. We have three kids, Cyrus is six, Rosie is three, West is one, almost two, and we look forward to getting to know all of you more soon. Thank you for the ways that you've welcomed not only us into this family, but the rest of our community that's come along with us from Santa Ana. We're really excited to be with you guys. We already feel a part of the family. And today, I have the honor and the privilege of wrapping up our vision conversation, and I'm hoping to pick up right where Josh left off last week as he laid the groundwork of, of what our purpose is as the church. And we're commissioned out of the world as followers of Jesus with a message to share. That's the most important thing for us to know as followers of Jesus, isn't it? That we have a purpose, that the church exists for a very specific reason. And over the last few weeks, Josh and Todd have unpacked our vision and they've focused on um, two words primarily, which is claimed and covered. If you've missed any of those messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to it as soon as you can. Um, but there's, there's three words. And so we've talked about claimed, covered, and I'm gonna continue on where Josh left off last week and talk about part two of the word commission. And, and these three words is what we believe points us into the right direction of what it means to learn to live free. That's, that's who we are as a church, right? This is what Canopy is all about. This is why we exist. Canopy is a family of house churches learning to live free. Freedom is a huge theme all throughout scripture. What freedom doesn't mean, and what Josh and Todd have been talking about, it doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want because Jesus will forgive us. Freedom, as much of the New Testament lays out, is all about choosing the way of Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Jesus didn't just save us from something, he saved us for something. And this is why Jesus spent so much of his time preaching on the abundant life, isn't it? The abundant life is what the four gospels are all about. Living in your new identity, stepping into your new calling. Now that you've said yes to Jesus, there is work to be done. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and pull it out and turn over to Mark chapter 6. I'm going to jump around to a few different passages here, but, but to begin our time together. And so first passage we're going to read is Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. And this is what we read. It says, He, Jesus, summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on an extra shirt. Luke chapter 10 verses one through four. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest and send out the workers into the harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. When it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands on his side, and so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what do all three of these passages teach us about Jesus? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Jesus expects those that are his to step outside of themselves. He actually mandates 
for us to step outside of our comfort, outside of our preferences for the benefit of others. Jesus had made a regular routine with his early followers of sending. Anytime he saw them get too comfortable, he actually sent them out. And I was reading not too long ago a study that was done and the study interviewed 100 people and they were all in their 90s. And they were asked one question. The question was this, if there was one thing that you could do different in your life, what would it be? What would it be? So the overwhelming number one answer that came back was this, pretty interesting. They said, I would have taken more risks. There's something for us to learn here. I don't know or really care how a 40 year old, or maybe my age, I'm 30, almost 36. Um, I don't really care like what I would say about that necessarily, but someone in their 90s has a little bit more credibility, don't they? Someone who's lived a long life or seen a lot of things and they say, I wish I would have taken more risks. I want to pay attention to them, not because their voice necessarily has more power or authority over my life, but because what they're saying seems to go in line with the Gospels, and it seems to go in line with what Jesus commands of his followers, right? I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I wish I would have taken more risks. Something you guys should know about me, um, I'm a naturally cautious person. I'm the youngest of five kids. I have four older sisters, and I would kind of be always the one that sat back and watched my sisters live crazy lives, and I would never do anything unless I saw someone do it first and do it successfully, right? And I don't know, maybe you can just call that intelligence. I don't know what that is, but I don't think this means that I live a fearful life. I think all it means is that I naturally lean towards a life of comfort. I naturally lean towards a life of safety and personal preference. It doesn't mean that I'm always scared all the time. It just means that my natural inclination is, is comfort and safety. And I think this can show up in a lot of subtle ways, but it can also show up in more important things like my relationship with Jesus. And so I just want us to be honest for a second and confess our love of comfort. I think pretty much everything in our world promotes comfort, right? Comfort is a must have. People make a ton of money on selling you and me comfort like clothes, shoes, socks, the bed that you sleep on, the sheets and blankets that you cover up with, the pillow you sleep on, right? The house you live in, the car that you drive, the way you decorate it, the kind of the seats you have in your car maybe. There's even a category of food known as comfort food, which is my favorite type of food. We can do this all day, right? The point is this, is not to condemn comfort or speak against it. I think there actually is a time and a place for it in the world. It's not all bad, but I just wonder, how much of our desire of being comfortable eventually works itself into our relationship with Jesus. And I wonder how much we miss out on because we tend to turn a blind eye or completely miss out on opportunities for Jesus to grow us and mold us into the people he's calling us to become. In these three passages we just read, I have to imagine that the disciples started to get comfortable, right? As soon as they did, Jesus recognized it, he called it out, and he began to develop a routine, a pattern of sending them out into the unknown and not promising them wealth, health, and prosperity. In fact, most of the time they returned discouraged, uh, they returned defeated, and they returned beat up. But the results of being sent out was not only the thing that Jesus was concerned about, it was their obedience. Jesus isn't concerned about the results as much as we are. Of course, we like to see results, we like to count and, and think about all the good things we do, but I'm just not sure that Jesus is results oriented the way that we are. I think Jesus cares more about our obedience. And when Jesus told his disciples to go, it was because 
of their obedience that I think we're even gathering today in Costa Mesa, right? We're reaping what the disciples sowed. To me, this is why the word commissioned is so powerful. To be commissioned out requires me to prefer others before myself. To be commissioned out will require me to repent daily of my desire for comfort and personal preferences. And so the way Jesus contradicts my life, right? The things that Jesus wants for me isn't always going to be what I want for myself. The sooner I can accept this reality, the sooner my purpose and calling can take root in the world. And I can begin to love my enemies. I can begin to serve the underserved and grab a hold of the opportunities that are all around me all the time. And so I have three quick thoughts that I want to share with you that I think can really help us live out our commissioned life as followers of Jesus this Monday through Saturday. That's one of my favorite phrases. You're going to hear me say it a lot um, is, is Monday through Saturday type living. That doesn't mean that Sunday is less important than the other days. Sunday is a day to receive. Sunday is a day to be equipped. Sunday is a day to be reminded that who we are in, in Christ and how much God loves us. Sunday is a day of renewal, right? But Monday through Saturday is where we apply what God has put in us. On Sundays. And so Monday through Saturday are the days we're commissioned out. So when Jesus said to his followers, go, he was pushing them beyond the temple. And I think Jesus would want us to live each day that we have for other people. And so I have three thoughts that I want to share with you. And again, my hope is that these three thoughts or really encouragements would remind you of your purpose as a Jesus follower, as we say as a community, as we're committed to this life of of commissioning. I think the first thing that we ought to grab a hold of and to be encouraged with this morning is to participate in the family of God. That's the first thought I have, participate in the family of God. And one thing I know to be true about a healthy family is that there is full participation, right? Healthy families love to spend time together. They love to do things together. It doesn't matter where they are or what's going on. They find fulfillment in just being together. I don't know if you can think of a family like that, that you grew up in when you were a kid, you went over to a friend's house, maybe it's your own house. You had friends always coming over and wanting to be at your house. It's because healthy families are compelling to the community. People wanna be a part of healthy families. The church is not meant to function as an organization that is in his business and busyness all the time. The church is family. This is what Jesus wants us to understand. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. I think this is how the church can become compelling to the world again, especially when the pandemic has completely scattered so many people, has completely scattered the church where churches around the globe are closing its doors in unprecedented numbers. So many of us are going in so many different directions and we find it hard to keep up with one another. I think, and I want to encourage us, that it's time to stop and come together. It's time to stop moving in different directions. It's time to participate in the family of God. Because we are called by Jesus to be a family that loves to be together. That, you know, to actually enjoy Sunday gatherings because on Sundays we get to see our family members. To make it a point to be at house church every single week because we get to see our family members. To eagerly, eagerly serve others in the community 
because that's what healthy families do. Healthy families reach out beyond themselves. Healthy families are hospitable and welcome anybody in that wants to be a part. And I, in my short time here, I've already seen many of you doing this really well. And I wanna encourage you to keep going. Um, it really matters and it's making a big difference, not only in our community, but also throughout the city and around our county. The second thing I wanna encourage you as we live a commission life is to invest into relationships. A Bible verse that has been on my mind a lot lately, and we just read it in Luke chapter 10, it's this, it says the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. That's a familiar verse for a lot of us, but I think it's important for us the church to keep this in mind, to maybe let this verse keep us up a little bit at night, to remind us and to sober our minds up of what really matters. I think Jesus said this in order to keep our energy and our prayers focused on the right thing. In other words, we don't need to pray for the harvest, right? Why? Because there are people everywhere that don't know Jesus and are living with a tremendous amount of brokenness and need practical love and encouragement. So Jesus says, don't spend your time worrying about who to love or who to spend your time with or, or praying about those things because want you to invest into relationships, right? And as, as, you, as you're aware of this, um, investing into relationships takes a lot of work. It takes time. There's a cost to it. Being a relationship investor, I think are probably twofold, right? The first, it means we need to be intentional with those we are already in relationship with. We need to be intentional with those who are already a part of the family. It means having people over for dinner when it's safe to do so, of course. It means going to coffee with someone in our family that maybe you don't know all that well. It means reaching out to another family member, individual in our community that you know is struggling and that you can help them in maybe some small practical ways. That's the first way to invest into relationships. The second, I think it means investing into those who are outside of our family, right? Like our, the love that Jesus calls us to isn't just meant for other Christians. It's meant for those outside of our family, outside of the church. Maybe it means someone at your work, a neighbor, your kids, teacher, barista, whoever. Jesus says, we are the workers. If you're doing the work, then the harvest is going to be there. If you're not doing the work, then the harvest is going to rot, right? Um, I have a part-time job at Trader Joe's. I love working for Trader Joe's um, for a number of reasons, but the best part of Working there, um, and best part of the job, I think, is getting to become friends with people who are all over the spiritual spectrum. I've been in full-time ministry for over 15 years, and working a part-time job at Trader Joe's has actually put me in a place where I'm not just around Christians all day. I'm around people that maybe have no context to church or have a bitter taste in their mouth about the church, but the last year I've been working there, I've had some of the best conversations with people all over the spiritual spectrum in regards to Jesus. And, 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 and you know, it happens pretty quickly sometimes because people always ask you kind of what you do, you know, when they find out a family and all that. And I have the opportunity to tell people I'm a pastor. But I've had some pretty cool conversations over the last year with another coworker who's become actually a really good friend of mine. And he didn't grow up in the church and didn't have really a relationship with Jesus, but, but he was kind of living his life and knew that he needed something a little bit more than what he was getting from in life. And he just began to ask me questions about Jesus. We just began to dialogue and have some really honest conversations and difficult conversations over the last year. And just this last week I was working and he came in a little bit later in the shift and he comes right up to me and he has this big smile on my face. I was just gonna say hi, but he comes up to me and says, Mike, I'm ready to get baptized. 
I'm ready to get baptized. And he asked if I would baptize him. And he just said um, he couldn't think of anybody else to do it because I've been walking with him. I've been, I've been investing into his life. I was honestly shocked. That wasn't my intention. My intention was not to get him saved. It was just to invest into him and care about him. And so I'm going to baptize him in the coming weeks. And I'm so excited that God trusted me with my friend. And I just want to encourage you for a second that when we invest in relationships, when we see our duty as Christians to be workers, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, that when we wake up in the morning, we have the opportunity to invest into the people that are right to the right and right to the left of us every single day. And God might lead someone to you that he wants to draw to himself. So we need to be ready to work, don't we? We also need to be ready to pray that God brings more workers into our family that see a need, that want to help. And churches that are effective in the world are churches that have no shortage of workers. And so that's my prayer over, prayer over us, Canopy, is that we would be workers. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And finally, my third and final point of how we are going to be commissioned into the world is to multiply what God is putting in you. A principle that we all see throughout the Bible is this, is healthy things grow, right? We see it in Genesis when God said to creation, be fruitful and multiply. We see it in the Gospels. Jesus illustrated growth by talking about farming and gardening and fruit and plants and trees and tiny little seeds when nourished properly grow into food and landscape. And we see in Acts that the commonality of all people led to multiplication, right? Healthy things grow. This is a biblical principle, Very rarely, if not ever, does God give us something to hoard. God wants us to share. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to grow in our faith. I'm not just talking about numerical growth, by the way. I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm talking about relational growth. I'm talking about emotional growth. The Holy Spirit never stays in one place, does he? He's always on the move. Oftentimes, our relationship with Jesus stalls out because we're hesitant to move along with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you not to fall into that trap. We want Jesus, right? But oftentimes our own schedules can inhibit us from that, right? We want Jesus, but we don't want him to mess up the life that we've created so carefully, right? Unfortunately, this isn't possible. If we really, really want Jesus, we're going to have to move. We're going to have to grow. We're going to have to go into unknown places. We're going to take some risks. And that's what my encouragement for you this morning, Canopy Church, is. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So freedom in Christ requires us to embrace our commissioning out into the world. Yes, it's going to cost us something, but the reward is so much better. Because when we do the stuff that Jesus sent us, to do. We're participating in his kingdom work. We're participating with him as he redeems, restores, and renews all things. Would you pray with me? Lord, give us courage to say yes to all the things that you've placed before us. I think of the people we'll be working alongside with this week. I think of all the conversations we're going to be having this week with friends and family and coworkers, whoever it may be. I think of all the shared meals that will be taking place. I just ask, Lord, that you would give us courage to respond to the opportunities placed before us. Lord, give us eyes to see each person you put in front of us. Give us courage, Lord, to to say the right things to them, that we might point people to you. Lord, would you fill 
canopy with your spirit in a fresh way this morning? And would we be known as a family that does the things that Jesus did? Lord, we know that we need your grace and we need your mercy. We're not perfect. We mess up all the time, but we're willing. So do what only you can do. Lord, I pray that as we step into Monday and as we go through Saturday, I pray that this would be a different week. God, I pray that you would put on our hearts ways that we can take some risks, Lord. Ways that we can participate in the family, Lord. Ways that we um, can serve those. Ways that we can multiply what you're putting in us. Ways that we can invest into relationships. So Lord, we, we rely on you. We're dependent on you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.